Welcome back to Cut for Time, a podcast of Faith Church on the north side of Indianapolis. I'm your host, Claire Kingsley. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, we are changing the purpose of Cut for Time while our church is scattered. We will use this podcast to share stories, encourage one another, and share how people in our church community are making a difference in Indianapolis. Today, our guests are John Hobelman and Ellie Jones. And you guys, I am so excited for you to be able to hear what they have to share about what they are doing in Indianapolis. And I hope you would like to be a part of it just like I do. John is the general manager of the Needhammer and he's been attending Faith for eight months. And Ellie Jones, many of you know her, she's been attending Faith Church for her whole life. She's also been the GIC coordinator and she coordinates Good News Club, which are great fits for her because at the Needhammer, she is the event queen. She's the event manager and HR manager, so she can do it all. Um, you guys, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so glad to have you. Thank you, Claire. This is fun. <laughs> thank you. So let's start by giving our listeners an overview of your business, the Needhammer, and what's its purpose and its typical service outside of the COVID crisis. Yes, so we are a three-story building on East Washington Street. The building was built in 1901, so lots of fun character, brick walls, and, and the exposed brick doors that are original to the building, which just brings a lot of character. But our normal work includes uh, events. So whether corporate events, birthday parties, showers, and our, our primary type of events is weddings. Then we also have a coffee shop on the first floor. It's a Needhammer Coffee Company. We'd love to have you come down sometime when we're open. And lots of weddings. We love marriage and weddings. We do a lot of them. So while we were talking on the phone, you guys mentioned that uh, you told me your mission and your purpose in the community was to be a light. Do you want to share more about that? Absolutely. So the neighborhood we're in is uh, Arsenal uh, Heights and Willard Park. It's right in the heart of the 46201 zip code. And arguably, this zip code is, at least for, for economic data, um, on par with or worse than any other zip code in hard luck communities throughout the state. So think Gary, think uh, any of the, you know, the, the Rust Belt towns up there that have a really tough uh, name. Our neighborhood is on par or worse with any of that. I, I challenged one of our... Uh, <laughs> one of our uh, partners that came in to start a church, that this is uh, Beirut circa 1983. Um, it, there's not much faith. There's a lot of crime. Um, there is institutional poverty, multi, multi, multi generations dating back, you know, all the way to the beginning of the, uh, uh, of the, uh, oh, I'm thinking of, uh, great society, late 60s. And so the owners of the, of the company, Joel and Christy Walsman and, and Joel's dad, Rob, had a passion for this neighborhood. Businesses in the neighborhood live in the neighborhood, at least Joel and Christy do. 
and their their passion was to kind of run up a flag, turn on the light, and and change the neighborhood from within. Mm-hmm. Um, the building blocks of neighborhoods are families. What better way to do that than encourage people to get married? And an event center that that focuses on weddings is an ideal way. Um, Further than that, though, there's not a lot of places to do business in this neighborhood that are safe. So anybody venturing from the downtown area had, would have to go all the way to Irvington. And quite accidentally, the coffee shop has kind of become a hub of commerce, of builders and investors and people wanting to do business in the neighborhood. So we, up until COVID-19, um, have been a hotbed <laughs> of, of economic uh, growth and it, it's been amazing to watch this neighborhood start to transform and change without with, without uh, gentrifying it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you are a light to the community. That's your main mission. But now how you do it looks different. So yes. share with our listeners what has changed in how you go about your mission now that we are living the pandemic. Sure. Our goal is being able to feed up to and and with expansion more than 5,000 people every single day, nutritionally complete, nutritionally dense um, food that is hypoallergenic, um, individually packaged in one to three pound packages so they can just be handed out to people. They can be shelf stable, not a lot of meat uh, protein in them. Um, and be able to reliably make and produce and deliver 5,000 meals a day for as long as it takes. As an event center, um, all of the, the pomp and circumstance and the pageantry of weddings aside, what we really do is logistics and event management. Um, systematize things, create systems, develop partnerships with rock solid vendors and partners, people that we rely on, that we don't leave anything for chance. And so when all this started kicking off uh, in a previous life, my background is in trucking. I had trucking companies, operations management, logistics management, supply chain, all of that. We're not food makers. (laughs) We're not a place that we can open our doors and bring people in to feed them. So, what I relied upon is our expertise in supply chain management and event coordination. This is, in essence, one massive event. Reached out to community partners uh, with Westminster Neighborhood Services, and then shortly thereafter, Shepherd Community Center, and then reached out to catering partners that this is their bread and butter. This is what they know how to do mass production of food, reliably hit ETAs and timeframes. Um, wound up quite happily getting in partnership also with uh, Cisco Food Systems. They're going to supply logistic support for actually transporting. How do you move 15,000 pounds of individually packaged food <laughs> safely from production to distribution? So the first two weeks of this was setting the, that supply chain up. Mm-hmm. And so you're also, you're using the vendors that you've known and built relationship over the last few years. And so they've now, they don't have events to cater, but now you're giving them the opportunity for work and for income and to use their resources of food and their ability, their kitchens, and you're putting it to good use. 
Yes. I think part of the, something that I didn't realize until being in the business world is as someone who follows Christ, part of our job is to give meaningful work to people around us. And it's, that's part of what we do is we're thinking of our employees is how are we providing meaningful work for them to be a blessing to the community. And so this is kind of an extension of that is for those who, once again, the caterers that don't have meaningful work because there's no, there are no events going on, still an opportunity to provide them meaningful work, give our staff meaningful work as well during a time where we can't do what we normally do. Mm-hmm. John or Ellie, how did this all begin? Where did it begin and why food? Why is that the need that you felt you needed to fill? So it would have been two and a half weeks ago, a Thursday or Wednesday and a Thursday night, I didn't sleep. And usually that's how I, I process problems. If there's something that's bugging me that I can't figure out, it costs me hours of sleep. <laughs> and so it was kind of a, a process of elimination of what can we do that will directly impact. And once I kind of figured that out, I got into investigation and research mode talked to people with the, the large food banks and the food pantries and really, really quick realized we had a problem. Number one, the food banks under normal circumstances um, have two to three weeks of food on the shelf. This is not normal circumstances. Secondly, where they get their food, uh, they're not getting supplies. The stores are being sold out of the staples they would normally get and people are not dropping off a few extra cans at the, at the drop-off points. So in essence, all of their reserves are being hit hard and their resupply is non-existent. So if this was a one or two week event, we can weather it, things go back to normal, yada, yada, yada. This is not normal. This could extend. We don't know how long, not in the, in the, the role of prognosticating, I've been involved in hurricane relief efforts, and typically those are designed at lasting for weeks or months. So when we do that, the next thing I thought was, well, we need a dependable source and supply that isn't a flash in the pan, something that will reliably chunk out what is needed every single day, day in and day out, seven days a week. But I think the other part is, as a business, we want to be a blessing to our neighbors. We want to see positive change in our neighborhood and during times like this when when the neighbors are concerned about where they're getting their next meal they're not going to care about anything else and so i think being in this area of the city makes us more aware in general of what people's needs are because we can see them out our windows sure so let's talk about that who are you reaching with these meals five thousand meals a day where are they going so we, we see it, but we don't have the connections inside of our business. That's not our business model. That's not who we reach out to. So the first thing I did, Westminster uh, Neighborhood Services has been around for many, many, many years, 38 years. They, they serve 150 plus families a week on a, on a good week. Um, they already have connections with the, with the people in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, going deeper, Oak Street deals with seniors. Um, Oak Street Health deals with seniors. 
they brought on entirely different light to the subject with shut-ins, people that are uh, amputees, people that have very little mobility already that are very easily forgotten. Um, they're, they're, there's nobody going to Kroger for them. They depend on their meals on wheels. They depend on family coming and dropping things off. And if that dries up, that starts to hurt them really, really badly. So part of that effort is shut-ins, elderly, infirm, people that are recovering. We've got friends that have, uh, a friend that's recovering from brain surgery. He's in a really good place. But imagining somebody that's in that same situation that doesn't have his support structure, finding them, and, and depending on our, our community delivery partners, to, to figure that part out and make sure that as the meals come in, they are being put in the hands of the people that need them. And that's kind of the challenge on their part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, the challenge of getting these meals to people safely are you having a part of that? The, the way the distribution is designed to work, most of the people that need the food can actually walk or drive to the centers, be handed an individual meal, and then leave with it. Um, so that to be highly portable. In the event there are people that cannot get out, there are volunteers and other service organizations that are related to and are working with Westminster and Shepherd that will actually pick up, be responsible for X number of meals, drive to the, the individual's homes and place them in their hand. So there, there's positive delivery all the way through um, with identified people that are expecting a meal to come. There are safe food protocols all the way through, wearing gloves and things like that. And I think over the last couple of weeks, they've proofed out the, the non-human capacity for delivery, where it's set down, and then after they step back, somebody picks it up. So there's, there, there are protocols that our, our delivery partners are already following. Um, we're just amplifying what they're currently doing, encouraging them to go deeper and further, and then supplying them with that food. Mm-hmm. You said the, the meals are made and delivered all on the same day. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. We want freshness every day. Mm-hmm. So, John, in order to make this happen, and Ellie, um, what's the goal? You guys need help to be able to make this happen. What is going on behind the scenes, and what are the needs that you have? There's, there's two. Um, we currently have a GoFundMe that we are trying to build up for seed money. And the seed money is to get it into production. Maybe not 5,000 meals. We're shooting for $15,000. Our target goal is $5 per meal delivered, um, which is a little more expensive than soup kitchens and people like that can do it. But what we're trading the money for is reliability. Um, so that, that's the first part. The other part then is we're working on grants, some different grants, and Westminster is working on some grants to get funding. Once again, the small amount, the seed money is going to be the first week or maybe two, but we want to plan for long term because that's when more and more people will need it. Mm-hmm. Long term, our goal is one to five million dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. To provide 300,000 plus meals over a six to eight week period. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you guys, just hearing about what you're doing, I would like to be a part of it. I'm sure other people who are listening would also like to be a part of it. So tell us, if we're curious, what are like the top three ways we can either support you directly or support this same mission of getting food to people who need it? And um, what can we do in this time uh, in crisis? I think our first mission is for people to realize that it's a need. So we've set up the GoFundMe page, our Facebook page. So our primary desire for people right now is to share those, get the word out that this might, it might not look like a need today, but it will be a, a bigger need the longer this time goes. So share the word, feel free to hit share on, on the links. I'm sure we will send out. So that's kind of the first thing. Of course, the finances are always part of it. $5 is one meal. So it starts with a pretty small amount for those of us that are still financially being supported. The other thing I would say is we've talked about giving 10% of the food in your pantry to the food pantries. We can only reach a small part of the city and there are food pantries all over the city, all over the state that are gonna be running low on their, what they have on their, in their shelves. So those are three simple ways that almost anyone can do yeah. to, make it, to make it bigger instead of a, just our small project. Yeah. Ideally, you know, what we're doing is replicatable. Um, we've already done a lot of the hard work with paperwork, memorandum of understanding, laid all the groundwork. If anybody else caught this, I, this vision and mission and wanted to do what we're doing in another zip code, it's absolutely doable. Um, it's just being willing to step up, accept that responsibility <laughs> and, and, and find partners that will work along with them. It's hard. We knocked out you know, several hundred man hours worth of work in building it. We'll happily share that with anybody that that would like to replicate this and set this up somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So if people are interested in getting in contact with you or to know more about the project, how can they reach out? So the name of the project is Indies Table, um, a community response to COVID-19. That's the official title. And I was checking Google earlier today and we've actually organically moved into the first page of COVID response. That's awesome. <laughs> If you Google Indies table dash a community response, it's going to be like the third or fourth uh, line down. It, it's, I've never had that happen. <laughs> um, so that one was fun. Uh, so searching that will get you there. If you go to our Needhammer Facebook page, N-E-I-D-H-A-M-M-E-R, um, it's splashed all over that. We've taken all of, our, all of our marketing resources and thrown it at this instead of still promoting weddings. Um, so all of those will link straight through to our GoFundMe. Our website as well. Our website as well. Needhammer.com. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'll put out these links also with our show notes and um, the posts. So yeah. hopefully it'll be The accessible. biggest thing, yeah, we, we love donations, but really getting this thing to go viral and people sharing it in their own networks by email, by messenger, putting on their Facebook. The more we raise awareness, the broader this message is going to go. Mm -hmm. I think it's easy for all of us to think inwardly and what am I doing? How am I spending my time? You know, how much food do I have on my shelves? 
So part of our goal is to help our community think outward and how is this affecting the other people around me, not just my household. Mm -hmm. And if we have a couple extra minutes, I'll take this macro. Yes, please. What the, I'll, I'll, I'll put a challenge out there. If you want to know what food insecurity feels like, I, I did this and it hurt and I hated it and it really made me get a little more passionate about it. Tonight, don't eat supper and don't eat breakfast tomorrow morning. And then realize somebody has to, a person that's living this way, not by choice, struggles every single day to figure out where their one meal a day is gonna come from. And they expend enormous amounts of emotional uh, energy and capital on trying to figure out where they're going to scrape up enough food. And that's one person, imagine a single mom that's got two, three, four kids that are also not having supper, not having breakfast, and looking somewhere for their one meal a day. And that's the situation that goes on here on a, in this neighborhood on a good week. This adds another many more layers of complexity and trouble to it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to just make us think, give us a prompt to think about it and take some time to pause and consider and think outside of ourselves. And that is just the purpose of this podcast. I'm so glad that you guys are able to share and give us all something to really rejoice about and praise God about what you guys are doing and just be so, so thrilled that we could actually get to be a part of it. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. So uh, what's your final nugget of wisdom or encouragement? That's how we usually end. Do you have a nugget that you'd like to share with our listeners, a thing you'd like to leave them with? The only other thing I would add would be some buzzwords that we picked up. The, the, the normal safety nets that take care of people that have need are being stretched and broken. Um, it, it is many, many times larger, the scale is many times larger than what the safety nets are set for. My own personal one is kind of the, the guiding light that I've developed as I, as I got back into my faith a few years ago. And it's the Great Commission. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And that's that's what we try to do and what I try to do every day. I'll read part of what I read this morning from Psalm 40, uh, verse 5. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. And that was a good challenge this morning, even as we are thinking in terms of, you know, life isn't quite what we expect, but God is still working wonders in our lives and in those lives around us. We just need to open our eyes and see. Yeah. Yeah. God hasn't changed, but you guys, uh, I just love what you're doing. I love how God's empowering you and you've had this business and it has been, you've been prepared for this um, project and leading up to this project. It's really encouraging to see how God's equipped you and your team to be able to do this. For such a time as this. Yeah. Well, uh, listeners, thank you so much for 
joining us on this episode of Cut for Time. More than any episode right now, I just really encourage you to share this podcast with people, your friends, your family, your community, and bug your friends. Make sure they've listened to it and then share it if you're willing on Facebook or Instagram. I'll make sure to send out all of the links and ways that you can share this podcast. So whether you're listening with an iPhone, an Android phone, or uh, listening through the Faith Church app, or your podcast app, you have a way to share it with somebody that you're connected to. All right, that's all we have for Cup for Time. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.